1: Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. Tie a ball on this week, Tim. Finally over. The kids are out of school the last two days. I'm ready for the weekend. Are you ready for the weekend? Big, any big plans? Probably a couple of haircuts?
0: Haircut last week, so no, I'm good. I'm. It's raining right now, but I'm planning on taking the dog for a hike. It's been too long since we've done that. So we'll go find a mountain somewhere and get lost. How about you?
1: Find a mountain somewhere. Is there just lots of mountains in North Carolina? Is there are. There are. No, there's not. Like, is it a, a path people use, or is there just a random mountain you're just going to park your car and scale it?
0: John, North Carolina is on the Appalachian Mountains. There's plenty of mountains all over the state.
1: But are they paths?
0: Yeah, or? like hiking,
1: hiking trails. You just make it sound like you're climbing – you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm just gonna find a mountain with my dog and scale it. You're gonna go to a path and take a nice leisurely walk on a path. You're not climbing mountains, Tim. Way to start this podcast like this. Thank you everybody what's, for joining us. You John, ruined it already. What's this really about? What's what's going on? <laughs> Let's dig deeper. What's the reason for this? Let's unpack scene? this. Let's. Unpa- yeah, right. I've done therapy. It's not. Oh, I'm the worst in a therapy session. It's so incredibly. You don't think I talk about my feelings? Get me in front of a therapist who's trying to like I had to do anger management for a, a bevy of reasons. It was anyways, it was funny. Like, why are you so angry? And I just stare at him. Just let's just get this through so you can sign this paper and I can leave. But anyways, we had a good we had a good week, all in all. The Haas interview, people seemed to love it. A lot of positive feedback. People were saying it was one of our best interviews yet. Did you think it was one of our top ones, Tim?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I got that comment a whole bunch this week. And while we were doing it, I was like, oh, this is a little boring. Our host is kind of a dry, not a big personality. But I listened to it yesterday, and it is really good. I think it is really good. And it helps that you guys
1: have been teammates and knew each other and kind of had that rapport. So, yeah, I think it was really good. Which is funny because I almost didn't do it. Before we went on the air, we were chatting with Marion, and, and I was pissed at him because he he's done all these other outlets before us. He did spit and chicklets, he did SportsNet, he's did a, he, he's on a book tour. And I, I got after him, I'm like, why are we not first? And I get it, spit and chiclets, they got they're a juggernaut. But I'm like, come on, Haas, like let, let's go. And what was really genuine he really wanted everyone to know that he's not a bad guy at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I was giving him a hard time. I was saying he was a jerk when I mean, he's obviously not, but I'm just needling him. But you can tell that he didn't want people to think that he's not a good guy. He just, <laughs> he's one of the good ones. Very few. There's a lot of bad guys in hockey. He was a good one. And one of my top teammates. So I, it was, a, it was a good interview. He's, he's not, He doesn't have many stories, but the ones that he – he's played with such incredible players. I think that's the thing when you look at him, when you look back at his career, and you just, you know, a mile view above Marion Hosa, The players that he's been able to play with, the amount of talent that he has just been having on his center wing, it's amazing. He might go down as the guy who's played with the best players all of all time. Like, it's amazing looking at his line mates. That's what I took away from it. Like, man, you got to play with that suit. You got to play with Crosby. You got to play with Kane Taves. You got to play with all these elite guys. And you just bounced around from team to team to Kovalchuk in Atlanta. Everywhere he went, he was just paired with these superstars. And then you have to step back and you go, wait a minute, you're a superstar. You know what I mean? Because any other team, he would be the guy, but he just gets he he rides shotgun. It's like an Edmonton Dride cycle. He goes to any other team, he's a superstar. But he's playing second fiddle to McDavid. And that's what hosted it his whole career. Started in Atlanta or started in Ottawa, Alfredson goes to Atlanta, Kovalchuk, goes to Pittsburgh, Crosby, goes to Detroit, Datsu, goes to Chicago, Kane Taves. It's just always second fiddle, but still just a superstar in his own right. It's kind of neat.
0: How do you think he would have done, like, as the guy somewhere? Do you think he – not just the skill level, but like the right tools to create offense on himself by himself instead of put up a point per game plus on a bad team? Or do you think – he is he more well, of a supplementary I think, guy? I
1: think he would get more points, and I think he said that himself, where he sacrificed his offensive game when he went to different teams because that's not what they needed him to do. He went to Chicago, and he really emphasized his defensive game. He went to Detroit and he he learned from Datsuk, and he became an all world defensive player. So he could have been a point per game guy. He could have gotten more points at, in a lesser team situation where there wasn't Stanley Cup aspirations. But to be able to be that humble to sacrifice points because I've there was guys on that Blackhawks team, friends of the show, who would not sacrifice points. They wanted to get their cookies. But for him to be able to do that, to say, you know what, I don't need to score every game. I don't need to put up eighty two, one hundred points a year as long as I get that jewelry, as long as I get that cup. Now he's getting his name in the rafters. It's interesting that he gets his name in the rafters and other guys don't. That says a lot to me. So we'll see at the end of the day, this dynasty that they had in Chicago, which of the pieces go to the rafters in Chicago. He wasn't drafted by Chicago. He gets his he gets his jersey raised to the rafters. It'll be it'll be interesting. Seabrook, Keith, Taves, Kane. Where do you draw the line? Sharp, right. Jalmerson, Crawford. Wh- which which of that core? Soupy Campbell. Which of that core do you elevate to the rafters? Host is the first one. Interesting. Keith will be the next. Does Seabrook get in? Does Sharp get in? I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation, but it does speak volumes that he is the first guy to go in. It just shows you how well respected, and everybody knows what he. I don't want to get into this Marion the podcast, but I've said it: most underrated player I've ever played with, most skilled player I've ever played with. So good for Haas. Good interview. Very fun. All right, twin so Tim, you got on the agenda. Yeah. Tweet of the week. What does that mean?
0: Let's keep the ball going. It's actually related to the Hosa thing because we posted that picture that he had, which I think it's funny. That number one oldest photo on his phone is a picture of you sitting in the on the bus with a hat. Um, and so we we shared that out. I got a copy of it, and I didn't ask for like a caption contest or for fans to roast you or anything, but they did. And all these, all these things coming in, being like, "Ah, John, what are you doing, buddy?" This, like, stuff like that. But we had one funny comment that made me laugh out loud. This is from our friend Gabby on Twitter. Gabby said, "This is the first picture I've ever seen of John where he looks
1: more like an engineer than a hockey player." (laughs) I think that's pretty good. What? My shirt's even bad too. And you know, I used to, I thought it was cool. Whatever, I thought it was cool. I liked it. It's. You don't like having your picture taken, you can tell. I don't. I was probably, I had a crossword in front of me. I had my, that's in the morning. So I definitely had the USA Today paper with a pen and a paper, getting ready to dig into my crossword. You got I'm Starbucks the there? Starbucks there. I used to get um, like one of those raspberry teas, and I used to get a bagel and one of their wraps. And that was my, or a muffin or something. And someone's talking smack, walking down the aisles, giving me, guff about my stinking hat so look at the guns though man i used to be ripped what a specimen go go check out the our twitter account dropping underscore gloves to check out that picture it's funny that that's on his phone how old are you 10 years ago i probably 30 years old if not younger yeah because i i would have been 20 no i would have been 20 uh 28 27 28 Maybe even younger, probably twenty six. Isn't that wild? Maybe twenty seven. Jeez, just a baby. Just n- not happy at all in that picture, though. Look at me. I'm just like, get out of my face. It's a bad picture. Go check it out. Dropping underscore gloves. But yeah, thanks for the tweet. It was it was a good looking hat. I would wear it to this day. I don't I don't care what anybody says. All right, we're gonna do another league roundup, Tim. You had a fun fun idea. We're gonna do a numbers version of the show today on dropping the gloves. Why don't you kick it off? Because there was, first of all, did you see the scores last night of all the games? I was just throwing around numbers too. There was touchdowns being put on the board. Seven, seven, eight. No defense whatsoever being played. It, it, It was just everybody's running and gunning. Everybody's getting points. Everybody's scoring. It's insane the amount of goals that are being scored night in and night out in the NHL. If you're playing BetUS and you're not punching the over, you're doing something wrong. Because every game, seven goals, eight goals, ten goals, twelve goals. But then you get a Bruins-Calgary game where it's three to one. So eh, maybe pick, pick take your shots, pick your poisons, but oof, lots of goals. All right, Tim. Back to the league roundup numbers version. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, well, I saw a couple of
0: stats that piqued this idea. So let's just run down a line here. No particular order. The first number is number eight. The Devils won their eighth straight game last night against... Uh, Who do they play? Uh, I should know this. Ottawa. Ottawa. And Dougie Hamilton scored the winning game in overtime, which brings up the question, at what point do you start taking them seriously? Not just as a a decent team, but as a serious threat to make a playoff run. At what point do we start taking these guys seriously?
1: I think right now you have to. How they've started the season, just how their team's constructed, and more importantly, I think, how they play the game. I did a little deep dive into their stats. They are they are playing incredible this year. They're first in the NHL in scoring chances. They're first in the NHL in high, high area, high danger scoring chances. They're first in the NHL in expected goals four. They're second in the NHL for goals four percentage. Their course is through the roof. The way they are playing the game, they play it much like Edmonton, risk-reward. They take they're 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 a high high high-level gambling team. They get the puck in the neutral zone. They transition. They want to get the puck, get it from the defense back to the forwards as quick as they can. They're not taking it back, you know, letting the team develop their defensive stance. New Jersey gets it, and they either go D to D and rate up, or they just get it and rate back to the forwards. They're not letting the other team change. They're not letting the other team get in their defensive, defensive posture, so they're getting odd man rushes. Once the D-man gives it up to the forwards, he's jumping in the rush. That's one thing. In the offensive zone, their D-men are active. They're pinching down the walls. They're jamming the crease. They are circling the net. They are just both of them, not even one of them, Tim. They are in, in the rush. So it's almost like a five-man system. And if you're a defensive winger, You have to have your head on a swivel. You don't know where your D-man is. So it makes it super hard to defend that. But on the other side, you can give up rushes. You can give up three-on-ones. You can give up two-on-ones. You can give up breakaways. But for now, they're, they're just surprising everybody. So if they can continue this, their goaltenders are playing solid. I like the way they're playing. They have taken a page from the Edmonton Oilers. They're just using that. That's the team that they have. They have small, shifty forwards. They got decent skating defensemen who can get up in the rush. Other than Ryan Graves, they got Marino from Pittsburgh who can jump up in the play. They got Hamilton. We know he can skate. That's Segan Soller. He can jump up in the play. Brendan Smith, not so much. But the D-men, are, they're active enough. They're aggressive enough in the O zone. The forwards, they cover up when they need to. But they're playing great, Tim. If they can continue this, I don't. I don't see why – they're not sniffing sniffing the door of the playoffs, if not Stanley Cup contenders at this point, because they're playing really, really strong hockey. Vanacek's playing good between the pipes, and they're still missing Andre Pilat. Once he comes back, this team's gonna be even stronger. Their starting goaltender's been out too, Mackenzie Blackwood. Once he comes back, why why not? Why not? Hershire's playing great, Jack Hughes playing great, Hollow's been a great pickup, Tatar's playing fantastic. Jesper Brat, we talk about him all the time. And their bottom two lines, they work hard, they get on the four check. Miles Wood, we all know his infamous speech two, two games into this season. I think they're, they're Stanley Cup contenders right now, Tim. You have to take this team for real. Maybe not Stanley Cup contenders, but you can't write them off. This isn't fluke. They, they've, they've beaten good teams, and they're beating them decisively. And they're not just doing it every once in a while. This is a consistent. They've won eight games in a row for Pete's sake. I don't know. Do you think this is for real?
0: I think you have to and it, it I think the winning streak has somewhat to do with it because if they had won basically you know two out of 3 for the whole season and then they're in the same position standing wise but there's no winning streak it almost looks like they got some a little bit of luck here and there you winning eight in a row it doesn't matter who you're playing against you are a juggernaut of a team and you mentioned Blackwood too and like even when he's healthy, I think him and Vanecek are close enough where they can have a one A, one B thing and sort of ride the hot goalie. They're not going to be reliant on any player between the pipes, which gives them a lot of flexibility to for an, an opportunity for those guys to go out and produce and perform and make each other better. So yeah, I'm, I'm right with you there. I think you have to take him seriously. It
1: really does speak to the importance of just your game mentality and how you play the game. This is the same cast of characters who were there the last three or four years. Maybe they've matured. Yes, they've grown better, but they are playing the game differently. They're playing aggressive. They're playing on their toes, and that's a fun style of hockey to play. I don't know who the coach was two years ago, three years ago. I want to say McLean, but I could be wrong, but it's just a change of scenery, a, f- a fresh face on things, You know, a-, a change in mentality for a team, and all of a sudden... Gosh, you're first in the Eastern Conference. You're flying. Everything's working out. You're scoring goals. You're preventing goals. You're playing great hockey. It's the New Jersey Devils. They're a fun team to watch. They get up and down the ice quick. They're not the New Jersey Devils of old who just are slow and plodding and methodical, work your way from zone to zone to zone. The Lou Lamorello. This is a 2022 New Jersey Devils team. They're quick. They're fast. They score. They're energetic. They're fun to watch. I don't know. Maybe it's time we talk about the Devils a little more, Tim. New Jersey Devils. All right. On the other side of the page, number seven, not good. Go for it, Tim. Take it away.
0: Number seven, that's seven straight losses per Calgary. There were a couple of overtime losses mixed in there. They're not looking very good. They lost to Boston last night, who, again, you know, that's a great team, but still didn't look great most of a night. Markstrom didn't look quite right. how? Are you panicking on this team?
1: No, I'm not. They're a good team listening to the interviews after the game, watching the game itself, watching this entire road trip for the Calgary Flames, they should have had a better fate. They've played four really good games. Their coach, Daryl Sutter, after the game, he said, "We four good games we played in a row. We're just not getting the result. And he's, he's an honest guy. He said, we, we aren't scoring the goals, the big goals when it's 1-1 to start the game, getting that early lead. He's like, we're just not getting it. But he's like, we've worked our tail off we deserved a better fate and i love that from a coach not panicking even though they've lost 7 games in a row yes like you said a couple overtime games but 7 in a row that's a big number for a team coming into the season after the offseason that they had the stanley cup aspirations that's that's a lot but he's not panicking he's like we're not frustrated maybe a little angry we should have had a better result but we'll we'll be better what he did say which which i caught boom right away two two areas we need to be better at Save percentage, probably bottom in the league. They are. Shooting percentage, he said, we're probably bottom in the league. Second worst. They have an 8% shooting percentage, which is atrocious, which means you throw 100 pucks on the net, you're only scoring eight of them. That's really, really bad. I think I had 8% shooting percentage in my NHL career. Now I'm, I'm not trying to make it about me, but just a reference. It's, it's not good. And their goaltenders last year, who they were both lights out. They were shining stars of this team. Markstrom couldn't help but get a shutout every other game. Their save percentage, Vlader's 881, Markstrom is 893. So if you're looking at this team, the efforts there, the shooting percentage is low, and the save percentage is low. Those will change. Those will get better. Those are outliers that they can't stay where they're at. Their shooters are too good. The pucks will start to go in. Who, uh, who had an empty net? Huberto had an empty net last night. I think uh, Dubé had an empty net last night that he missed. And there was another one that was an empty net. He had, They had three to clear Foley. Cut. To Foley. Yeah, to Foley. three clear-cut goals that just they're, – they're not fighting the net. Those will start to go in. This seven-game losing streak in two months, you won't even remember it. The Calgary Flames will be at the top of the Pacific Division. Well, I mean, Vegas will be there. This will just be a blip on the radar. They're still working hard. They're getting chances. They're keeping the puck out of the net. They had an empty net goal again, so really it's a 2-1 two, two, game. When when you look at their losses, Bruins, it's a 2-1 two, two, game empty net goal. Lose to the Devils 3-2. Two. two overtime losses to the Islanders and the Devils, both 4-3. Bad game versus the Predators. They lose 4-1. But then the other two games, the Kraken and the Oilers, one goal game. What are you going to do? Every, every game is a one-goal game except for the Predators game. So I can live with that. I can swallow that. Their coach isn't panicking. You can tell the players are – A little frustrated. They're not getting the results, but I think this actually, at the end of the day, will help them when the season starts to end. They'll remember this frustration. They don't want to repeat that again. They'll grow from it. They'll learn from it, and it won't even be an issue in two months when they're at the top of the Pacific. And they're they're a good team. You know, are are you panicking on these team after after I just laid out my whole reason why you shouldn't panic? Are you panicking, Tim?
0: No, I'm not. And I watched the team; it, they didn't look quite right last night. But I think, like you said, the the chances will be there. They're they're going to miss; they're not going to miss those open nets all season long. So I think they'll be fine. It's just a matter of the the numbers game. But again, being that in that division works in their favor. So yeah, they'll be there.
1: I thought they looked better than the Bruins. You didn't? Did you watch the game last night? Yeah, I thought they looked good. Allmark played great. I don't think Vlader played that bad. But, yeah, what Sutter said and what I thought was perfect, the Bruins got greasy goals. They they knew how to manufacture goals because it was such a tightly checked game. They got a couple greasy goals. Flames couldn't finish on their chances. So that was the difference there where the Flames, that'll come. That'll come. But, uh, actually, the bigger story in that game, The Bruins' best player is back, and he scores the game-winning goal. Charlie McAvoy, back in the lineup. To to add this piece to an already strong team, I don't know why you're not talking about this, but, yeah, maybe we'll talk about it a little later, Tim.
0: Yeah, we can get to it now. I mean, what what a return he had. He was logging big minutes. He was thrust right into the role that he should be in, that 1A defenseman, and they did split up him and Lindholm. So they had McAvoy with Grizzly and Lindholm with, I, I believe, Carlo. Which I think is probably the smart move. But, you know, in in the key situations, you'll put those two out there together. But, yeah, it looked really good last night. Got the game-winning goal. An absolute snipe from the point. It was great, too, because it was like a pass, a quick release through traffic. Not an easy thing to do. And he looked really good. And certainly, yeah, the game-winning goal last night. So, by the way, speaking of that, do you see Pasta's empty neckle?
1: His little dangle.
0: Uh, Two-on-one with Marshan. Marshan throws it, like, past the defenseman. And Pasta knocks it down from midair with a stick. Get the defenseman coming in hard. He just kind of stops little toe drag around him and buries the empty net. Beautiful goal. And the Bruins, let's touch on that while they're here. The next number, one. The Bruins are number one in goals for in the entire league. And you you read that number, and typically it's it's a Leafs. It's it's Florida. It's Edmonton. Teams like that. And you say, okay, you know they have the most goals because they play that high-flying octane offense. They are Up and down the ice, they take risks. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but they score a lot of goals. They have an offense-first team. The Bruins are not the case with that. They're number two in goals against in the entire league, meaning the two second-fewest. So they're dominant at both ends of the ice, which is something that you rarely ever see.
1: Um, Just really good start for those guys. And Yeah, them them and the Knights, I'm telling you. Yeah. They're both killing it on both ends of the ice. If they met in the Stanley Cup Finals, that'd be fun. Because they're be both, they excel at both things. But yeah, speaking of the Knights, homecoming, revenge game, Jack Geico, finally fully healthy. Last year when he came back, he was still working out the kinks, maybe not comfortable yet with his repaired, surgically fused back, maybe not giving it 100%. Well, he was giving it, he was giving it and more this week when he came back to Buffalo. Throws in a hat trick on my Bruins. Good game. But boy, did, did Eichel look good. Sabres. Sabres. What? Hat trick Patrick Bruins. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Good game sorry. for him. But what did you think of this? What did you think of his celebrations after the goals? How good does that have to feel if you're Jack Eichel? Because he was getting booed relentlessly. He had his comments last year about Buffalo. You know, this is the, the fullest this crowd has ever been. What did you think of, the, of his performance?
0: Well, he was asked about those comments yesterday before the game and he basically said, You know, I was thinking I was a little emotional last time and I was a little bit surprised by the reaction that I got and and I think I think like you said, not just the injury, but last time he was here it was an emotional game for him. This time, new season, clean slate, he's healthy and he's he's not thinking with his heart, he's thinking with his brain and his skill. And I loved it. And I, I like I like and he was – Cause he said all along, like the fans have always been a, a huge part of, you know, his experience with the game. He loves the fans. And so he's not really shoving it in their faces. I didn't really take it as like a, a disrespectful thing or anything like that, but he scores the goal. He's waving goodbye. I think it's playful and I like that. You, you got a little bit of energy. You got the attitude. Mm-hmm. Jack Eichel's had that since, since BU days. And so I think it was great. I think it was all in good, fun in nature. And I don't think he's trying to shove it down anyone's throat or anything like that. And. Yeah, good for him and
1: good for the Knights. They're a dangerous team. I agree. I enjoyed it for for as much as I didn't like the Jack Eichel drama. It was well documented here on this show. I liked that. I thought it was fun. He's given it to the fans. It's it's good for hockey. He's doing it in a in a wholesome way, saying, "You know what? I'm here. Bring it." I just buried a hat trick on you guys, and we're we're leaving with a seven four win. So. And the Vegas Golden Knights, it, we talk about trades. We talk about trading high-end players. Usually, the team that gets the best player wins that trade. But the, this trade will be years away from deciding the winner of it because there was so many pieces involved, draft picks, so many question marks regarding Eichel's health. But gosh, one year one year post-trade, Eichel's playing pretty well. He He is... He's a, he's a good hockey player he really is so good for him good for good for the vegas golden knights moving on tim oh no oh no we're not going to do this one yikes all right
0: the number is seven seven what you might ask seven goals allowed by jack campbell last night and it's not just an aberration In 10 starts this season he's had two games where he's allowed in less than three goals because one game where he had one, one game where he had two. Our our buddy Tyler from Oilers Nation was t- tweeting about this last night. It's a problem. It's a problem. And they're both. It, and actually, someone else tweeted this too. I think last year Koskinen and Mike Smith both had like better goals saved above expected average than Jack Campbell. And it seemed we were hoping that the Edmonton finally had their answer between the pipes, but that's not looking that way. What do you, what's your take on all this?
1: The Oilers fans are they're roasting Jack Campbell. Oilers Twitter is just blowing up. How long until Jack Campbell's on waivers? Can we trade Jack Campbell? Can we make a trade for a top 4 defenseman? Can we trade Fogel, Yamamoto, Bouchard, Polviari? What do you think of Jack Campbell at this point? He's had two good games in a month. Breaking. Jack Campbell sucks. So, <laughs> it's they're 10 it's, days into a 4-year contract. It's crazy. It's not great. It is not great. <laughs> We thought they they hit the jackpot getting Jack Campbell this offseason. They they got him, they re-signed Kane, they got uh Kulik to re up with the Oilers. Oh, everything has gone wrong this year for the Oilers. They they're a bad team. They're a bad defensive team. And yes, people point out McDavid's effort on the Carolina Hurricanes first goal at the end of the first period last night that kind of started the downward spiral of their game where they lost where well, they lose 7 to 2. It I don't blame McDavid. I don't blame the high-end guys. I blame the GM for putting this team together. It's a bad defensive team, top to bottom. They're, They're just bad defensively. There's not one guy who I can say, okay, we have a defensive zone face off. I want you to go in, win the draw, and get off the ice. Every team I've been on, I've had a player like that. Every single team whether it's a Kyle Chipchura, whether it's um, an Antoine Vermette, whether it's a Dave Boland.
0: Manny uh, Malhotra used to do that, win a face-off yeah. and get off.
1: He would go on with the first line, win the draw, and then you'd be gone. And the other, Chris Kelly. The other yeah. yeah, the other team's coach would have to figure out, okay, do I put on my defensive guys or do I match it with my, my high-end forwards? Because you know they're changing when they go up the ice. You win the draw and you clear the zone. Who does Edmonton have that can do that? Nobody. And that's just not a main part of the problem, but that is a part of the problem. They don't have a good defensive team. And I looked at their numbers, and it's absolutely amazing, amazing the disparity by the top-end guys and the lower-end guys. Well, let's stick on Jack Campbell. What happens with him? He's got four more, three more years in this contract, $5 million. If he continues to play like this, is he going to get bought out at year's end? Or are they locked in with this guy?
0: You're locked in. You have to be. You have to give him a chance to show you what he can do. You can it, it makes me think of uh, Martin Jones in San Jose. The expect the difference being that, well, actually, the earlier years of Martin Jones's contract, the Sharks were a good team, and so he the expectation was there. So maybe that's a fair comparison. But over time, I think he'll he'll shake this loose. He's not this bad. I think I think most people can agree on that. He's not seven goals a night. He's not two good starts out of ten bad. But he's not. Is he the answer? I don't know. Does he give him a? Is he better than some of the other options they have at their disposal? I don't know. I, th- I think he's probably. having. What else he's do you? He's having.
1: Do? He's having a historically bad start to a yeah. season. He averages around two point five goals against average. He's almost at four. He's three nine three. He's almost at four. His save percentage uh, averages out around nine two. He's eight point eight. Oh, it's ugly. It's absolutely ugly. He's getting wins right now because Edmonton scores a boatload of goals. But boy. And then people got after me, I think, two weeks ago, and I was saying he was having a bad start. And they're like, he's 5-2. and two. He's playing terrible. He's playing absolutely terrible. He needs to fix his game because, gosh, if if the season ends and he finishes with those stats, you can't do anything else but buy him out. That makes $5 million. You have to find a goalie who's good for $5 million. That's a lot of money. But the Oilers do weird stuff with goalies. They sign a 41-year-old guy to a two-year deal, hoping, thinking that he's going to be the answer. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to me at all. But yes, another number from the Edmonton Oilers, Tim. Let's break into this one.
0: 23 is the number. Uh, This is a slightly, slightly outdated. It's the number as of yesterday. But before last night's games, McDavid and title had 23 combined goals, which was exactly the same amount that all of St. Louis all year long had. And so it's just talking about as bad, as we as frustrated as the Oilers are. The Blues have been so bad, too. I think they won last night, but they have not looked quite right. Ryan O'Reilly had this quote last week about how bad he's been playing, and Bennington's not been quite right. And then the Oilers, if there's one thing they do, they score goals.
1: I want to talk about the Oilers more, because I, I did a little dive into the Oilers and where they're getting their offense from, and it is astounding. I talked about it's not the players' fault. It's the GM's fault. It's the president's fault, how they constructed this team. How many years have we been saying that they need depth? How many years? Five, four. However long McDavid and Ryan Seidel has been there. They have the fourth worst goals against in the league. That's okay. Same old bad defense. They did nothing to change their back end this offseason. Nothing at all. That's fine. The problem with this team is is they have no balance in scoring. When you look at the stats, and I have it here, if you take the top four guys on their team, 97, 29, then we'll go to Nuge, Hyman, and Kane. Those five guys, they have 104 points combined. The rest of the team, we're talking call-ups, guys who got sent down, everybody, goalies, 48 points. So five guys have 104 18 guys have 48. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. And it gets even worse. Three guys, 97, 29 and Hyman. They have 75 points. The rest of the team, I'm including Kane and Nuge, and these rest of the team have 81. So three guys almost have the same amount as the rest of the team. That, you cannot have that. You cannot have that to be successful in today's game. In any game, it's embarrassing what the GMs and presidents and anybody in charge of the Edmonton Oilers have done to just find people to play with these these two superstars. It's it's honestly laughable that they can't get someone to fill the second line, the third line, the fourth line to just help these guys out because there's no one there, there's nobody there. I don't know, I uh, I don't know how. You can say you're doing your job year after year after year after year when you don't bring anybody in. Ken Holland, what have you done to help this team out? Oh, I got Fogo. I traded for him for Ethan Baer. Oh, okay. They just get a cast of fourth-line guys and throw them out there. Fogo, McLeod, Ryan, Devin Shore, Mark, Holloway, he's a rookie. He's got some Yamamoto. Now he's Yamamoto's playing on the fourth line. You think he's going to succeed on the fourth line, getting eight minutes a game, playing with the Devon Shore? Yamamoto yeah, needs to be on the first line. I don't know. The Pulveri experiment's done. Get him out of there.
0: Well, to, to add a little bit of context to this too, it's like it's not that unusual for a for a team to have one or two really good players and everyone else is not that great. Like that happens all the time. happens probably every year. The difference for these guys is a. It, they've done it for five years in a row. This is an ongoing epidemic for this team. And they have really sky high expectations. They should be competitive. They finished in the top four in the league last year. They should be doing everything they can to win a cup. This is not Columbus with Johnny Goudreau and Line. Head. This is not those guys aren't these guys, and that team isn't this team. They should be more competitive and they're just not and they can't figure it out, which is just crazy.
1: Well, you look at it you look at the highest scoring team in the league, you said the Vegas Golden Knights. Here's the points. 19, 15, 13, 12, 12, 12, 11, 11, 10, 6, 6, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 2, 2. That's the Vegas Golden Knights. You go to the Edmonton Oilers, and it's just such a dramatic drop-off. We go 31, 27, 17, 16, 13, 10, 5, 4, 3, 3, 3, 2, 2, 2, 2 1, 1, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, So it goes from those five guys who have 10 points or over right down to five points. There's no secondary scoring. There's no big chunk of guys who get, you know, five goals, seven assists, three goals, eight assists. That's your third and fourth line. You need those guys to score every few games, and it's just not happening. Yamamoto has three assists. Ryan has three points. McLeod has four points. Polviari has two points. Fogel has two points. Holloway has two points. Devin Shore has one point. It doesn't work. It doesn't work.
0: Well, let's, while we're on them, let's bring this, bring this up. Evander Kane, um, obviously got hurt the other night, cut his wrist, pretty scary. He looks like he's going to be fine, but he's out probably three to four months. What do you do? How desperate should they be to fill his roster spot? Do you kind of pull a Kucherov with him and put him on the LTIR, bring him back in the playoffs? Or do you hope he comes back sooner? Do you go out and make a trade? Do you use that salary cap room? How, how thin is the margin of error for this team?
1: Well, what, what options are there? Like what what can you do? Yes, you get freed up from his five and a half mil five point one two five million dollars. So it gives you some wiggle room. But is that your answer? Finding another guy who makes five million dollars? Like those guys don't don't grow on trees. There's not teams out there who are gonna trade you a high end forward who can score who's only making five million dollars. So I
0: How about uh Timo Meyer, San Jose expiring contract?
1: What is uh, what is Edmonton going to have to give up? Are you willing to give up a first rounder for a Timo Meyer at this point in the season? Because that's what it's going to take. Do you bring in Patrick Kane? Again, know. it's so early, and I, yeah, that would be great. But do you have the assets to do that to bring in a Kane right now? I don't think they can do anything. I think they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're maxed out on their contracts, and you're you're not going to bring someone in right now and then sit Kane out for six like six months and then say, okay, come back for the playoffs. I, I don't think that's what needs to happen. Maybe bring in some defensemen. Bring in – I don't know. Losing Kane is not your big problem. It's your depth scoring. It's your defense. It's your goaltending. This team is a mess. It's an absolute mess. It really is. When you look at this season right now, would you rather have – Who's, who's more of a threat to win this Stanley Cup? It's funny we're saying this 10 games into this season. The New Jersey Devils are the Edmonton Oilers. It's insane how quickly things change. The recipe that they cooked up for this Edmonton Oilers team is not working. They're not a good, fundamentally good team. They're just playing bad hockey. Then they played a good team last night in the Carolina Hurricanes, and they got just worked. It was apparent who was the better team, and the Oilers lost every facet of that game. Outworked, outplayed, outskilled, outcoached, everything, up and down the ice. Carolina may be not even the best team in the Eastern Conference, so it's going to be a long year. And they're losing one of their best players in Evander Kane for three to four months. (sighs) How fast is Dreinsaitl going to get out of there? McDavid going to get out of there? Dreinsaitl's contract's up in three years. McDavid's up in four years. Hasta luego. You think they're going to come back?
0: Who do you think is more likely to stay with their team, McDavid or Matthews?
1: McDavid. McDavid. Yeah. Which is crazy Hmm. because Matthews has a better situation in Toronto.
0: Yeah. Let's, Let's talk about him for a second. The next number is 39. Can you guess 39 goals scored? No. 39 players in the NHL have more goals than Austin Matthews so far this year. And we are almost two months into the season. That is a crazy, crazy number. That's maybe the craziest one yet.
1: What's happening? Why is he not scoring goals? What is the issue here? Is he not getting shots, Tim? Is he not getting ice time? Why is he not putting the puck in the net? Can you, You're a Toronto insider. You know more than anybody else. Why is he not scoring goals? Why does Tavares have eight? Matthews only has six. What's the deal with Austin Matthews, Tim? Matthews
0: has, he's got 66 shots. I think he's, I don't have the whole thing in front of me, but he's among the league leaders in shots. He always has been. And he's got six in 14 games, which isn't bad. Like that's, that's a good hockey player, 14 points. He's, he's, I think, I think a lot of it and Steve Dangle kind of touched on this was just that he's rounding out his game. It seems like, I think he's not just shooting from wherever, trying to score in every single shift. I think he's trying to do some little things. And I don't know. I, I, I don't watch every game, but that's still – you You need Austin Matthews to do one thing above all else, and that's to bury the puck, and he's only done that six times so
1: far this year. We're normally, last year we probably would have been about twice that at this point, right? Why is he trying to round out his game? He's, he plays with Bunting and Marner. You're the trigger man, Austin. Who would I, rather, who, who would I rather have shoot that puck, Marner or Bunting or Austin Matthews?
0: There was a, um, a Matthews. There was a tweet going around yesterday. I think it was kind of a troll job, but it was like, if you want speed, you get McDavid. If you want defense, you get Bergeron. If you want a one timer, you get Ovechkin. If you want a wrist shot or a uh, slap shot, you get Pasternak. If you want all of them together in one player, you get Matthews. That was like the hook. And a lot of people, Leafs fans are like, yeah, 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 that's right. But most people are
1: like, you, this is a, this is a joke, right? It's a troll job. <laughs> I know his shooting percentage is down. We I talked about it with who else had a bad shooting percentage. I was just talking about the Calgary the flames. flames. Yeah. His career shooting average shooting percentage is 16%. He's clipping along at nine. So almost half of what his usual mark is. So it will turn. He's getting the shots, but why change your game? If what you're saying is true, he's trying to be a facilitator. He's trying to find his line mates. That's not why you're there. You You're there to score. I don't care if you're trying to make your teammates better. I don't care if you're just trying to be a good teammate. No, be selfish. Your job is to be selfish. Your job is to score. I want you to shoot the puck 15 times a game. So that that is an eye-opening stat for me, the fact that he's 39th in the league in goals, and he's only got six in 14 games. Last year by this time, I think he had 20. He was ripping them. So that has to change. Toronto has a lot of issues. Not a, maybe not a lot. Goaltending is one. Austin Matthews he needs to find his find his groove. Stop passing. Start shooting. Sorry, Tim. I got a cough.
0: All good. <laughs> Let's uh. The last number before we move on is the number four, and that's four losses in a row for the Buffalo Sabers. They started off so hot. They've settled back to five hundred with seven and seven record. <laughs> they lost. Obviously, we touched on Vegas earlier, and they. Couldn't win last night at home and kind of a, not a big game, but maybe a little bit of an extra one. Maybe one you circled on the calendar just because of the trade. Um Like similar question, John, like this, after this slow start four in a row, are you, are they going to regress back to the team that we thought they were, where maybe they're below 500 or you think this is just a blip on the radar?
1: Similar answer to the flames. No, I don't mind it. They're playing hard. They're playing good teams. Lost to Vegas first in the Pacific, lost to Tampa Bay. Been in the Stanley Cup three times in a row. Lost to Carolina. They're a good team. Bad loss to Arizona. But not panicking yet. Tage Thompson picked up a couple goals last night. you got to love that. Oh, but no, so not, not panicking yet. The only reason I think they're at more risk than the than the Flames, this division is so, it's so incredibly strong, this division. You look at the teams. You look at the points. You're the Buffalo Sabres. You start off hot. You're 500. You're in second last. You're looking up at Montreal, Tampa Bay, Detroit, Toronto, Florida, Boston. You have to it's it's really daunting to to get any room in the in the standings. You win five in a row, you're still just clustered with all these other teams because you're so incredibly good. Unless you're the Bruins who can rip off 10, 10 wins and start the season. But every other team, there's a whole whack of teams in that group. And so you you can't have a bad week where you lose four in a row because you go from second to second last, it just it happens just like that. So, to answer your question, I'm not worried, but you can't have many more weeks like this where you lose four. You you have to be consistent. You have to win some of those games. I don't care if you're trying hard. I don't care if you're playing good teams. You have to get points in those games somehow, some way. But no, the the Sabers are fine. They're 500. I think to start the season, if you would have asked them, 14 games in, if we're if we're 500, they would have taken that maybe not this way, winning seven of their first ten, losing the next four. It is what it is. The season ebbs and flows. I think Buffalo is in a good mental space. I like the way they're playing. I like the way they're being coached. I, I, I'm not worried about my Sabre j- just yet. We'll touch base next week this time. Maybe that streak is up to eight, and I'm I'm panicking a little bit. But for now, you know, they've lost to good teams. They're still playing hard, just like the Calgary Flames. I I'm not as worried about them as I would be about the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know I mean, the Penguins, I am worried about. I, I think they're in a worse spot than the Sabres are at this point in the season, even though they're only two points away from each other. So, yeah. All right, Tim. It's that time. It's DoorDash time. Ding-dong. Time to eat. Time to drink. Get yourself some DoorDash. Pull up your phone. Get your computer out. Get your tablet out. Get whatever you use to use the internet. Fire up DoorDash. Use our promo code GLOVESDD if you're in the Canada. GLOVESDDUS if you're in the United States. Get 25% off, get free delivery. You get your food delivered to you wherever you are, however you want it. It's a great deal. Tim uses it all the time. The guy's like a DoorDash founder at this point. He spent so much money using that. But he's also saved a ton because he uses our promo code all the time. And you should use it too. Help us out. Help DoorDash out. It's a good company. Gloves DD US if you're in the USA. Gloves DD if you're in Canada. Get yourself some food. Get yourself a deal. Speaking of Canada, Tim, Ottawa. They're raising a number to the rafters, much like Chicago. Very exciting time, trying to stir up some interest in the team. Ottawa not having a great start to the season. Maybe this will change the tone of the fan base there. Who do you think they would raise to the rafters there, Tim? Maybe a guy who, who's the points leader, guy who's uh, you know won a Stanley Cup there. Who Who would be a good player that the Senators should raise to the rafters?
0: Well, I don't have a list in front of me of guys of the ones they've already raised, but I'm thinking, okay, Alfredson, uh, Chris Phillips. Yeah. Uh, Spez is still playing or maybe he just retired. Is Spez still in the league?
1: No, he, he works be, for right? the Leafs office now. front office. So does
0: Brodeur, by the way. He's like VP of hockey players or <laughs> something
1: like that. It's just um, what I've said. These guys don't do a thing. They just cash a paycheck and get drunk during the games. It's a joke. Yeah. I wish I had the job, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's Chris Neal, Tim. Yeah. Number 25, leads the franchise in penalty minutes. That's about it. Career high in points for a year, 33. What? What? I love Chris Neal. Do you think this is a good thing that he's going to the rafters for the Ottawa Senators? I want to know your opinion.
0: I actually, I like it. I like the way they did it, first of all. Did you see the video of him finding out? He's no. reading like a script for like a commercial. He's read like a promo video. And then he realized what he's reading is his own jersey raising announcement. So he, and then the family comes in, his wife and kids. It's a really nice moment. Um, so I, I like that. I, I like this. It's not that often you see a player or ever, uh, uh who's not like a skill guy who didn't put up a million points, get his name raised to the rafters. Didn't win any Cups, didn't really produce, but he wasn't ever trying to be that player. And I think, you know, you the Senators fans will tell you how important he was to that franchise, how important he was when those teams were good. He was a huge part of it. And even the Headley Alfred, and Spezza posters of the world know that a guy like Chris Neal, especially in that era, gave them a lot more room and a lot more freedom to go do their thing. And so, you know, you being an enforcer too, I would think that you'd be behind something like this.
1: I don't know what to think of it. I I really don't. I I want to be happy, but to me, it cheapens the guys who are already in the rafters. Because right now in Ottawa, there's three people. Frank Finnegan played for the Senators in the 1900s. You know, he retired in 1937, born in 1901, different era. Then there's the aforementioned Alfredson and Chris Phillips, guys who pretty much were the founding fathers, fathers of the new Ottawa Senators. Alfredson, everyone knows his accomplishments. Chris Phillips was, I think, their first draft pick for their expansion team. I think, but I could be wrong. But he was there for a, a ton. All-star caliber defenseman. Maybe even he, he should be debated if he belongs in the rafters. But what does this do for the franchise long-term? Just say, you know, 50 years down the road, 100 years down the road, the NHL is still kicking around. You look up in the rafters, who doesn't get in now, right? If this guy played a 1,000 games for your team, heart and soul of the team, why, I I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I get why they're doing it. They're a young franchise. They haven't had much success since they start. When when did they come back in the lead? Two nineteen something but I don't know. I don't know. George LaRock even had the same sentiment. He said, I love Chris Neal, but I don't understand this move. And I feel the same way. I just don't get it. Never so, to well, Cub. I don't know.
0: One of the comparisons was being made about Ken Daneko, who played a whole bunch of games. He Danico. Played 20- Danico. Um retired No. 03 so kind of before my time but he played all the, his entire NHL career with the New Jersey Devils never a skilled guy he was a defenseman his career high in points was 21 back in 1990 he was a definitely a role player gritty defenseman and his name is Jersey is retired and, and up in the rafters for the Devils and so I, I think that's a fair comparison of a guy who Wasn't there to score points, but played a huge part in in the success of that team. And the difference being, of course, that he won a cup. But still, I think that's a fair comparison.
1: He won more than one cup. He won three. (laughs) So uh, it is a good comparison. I think when you look back at those teams, Ken Danico was an integral part of their success. He was a shutdown defenseman. He logged a lot of minutes. Chris Neal... Has been a fourth line guy his whole career, maybe third line. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer this because I, I am, I am Chris Neal in a way. He played my position, my my style. He was better at it than I was. I was tougher. He was better hockey player. But it's just, I don't know. Does he belong? He's getting his jersey retired. It's rarefied air. That's a big thing, especially with Hosa going up in Chicago. That's a big thing. Like you're going to be there forever. You can't have that taken away. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think he deserves that. He deserves a lot. He deserves a lot. Not that maybe a statue in front, not a Jersey in the rafters.
0: So in your mind, that Jersey, <laughs> the Jersey's a, a, a greater glory than a statue.
1: Mm-hmm. Statues you can take down. Jersey's there forever. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Dustin Brown's got a statue, for Pete's sake, in front of L.A. I know. I, it. I got another. There's a question mark. Why Dustin Brown? Like Statues is there for Bobby Orr and Bobby Orr only. He's That's the only statue in the league. Wayne's got one in Edmonton that's pretty cool. But anyways, let's move on. Bet U.S., Tim. I got some gambling to do. I got an itch, and I need to scratch it, and it's going to be scratched by Bet U.S., You, once again, are having your little one bet. What are you doing? And then we'll get to the big bets over here.
0: Yeah, I got two picks tonight. There's four games. I like the over on the Penguins and the Leafs. And I like this is an underdog pick. I like the Capitals to win against the Lightning. They're playing at home. They usually play better against the good teams. And so I'll take a risk on that one. So those are my two picks for the night.
1: Why do you only do two? Why not do all of them? Just do... uh, a big shebang and go for it. I, I don't know why you only picked the two.
0: Well, first of all, I was going to defend, give my reasoning, but realize I keep losing. So I'm probably doing something wrong. So maybe I should be doing more bets, but I feel like yeah. if I don't, if I don't like what I'm seeing, I'm not going to bet on it.
1: All right, I agree. I'm going all four. I think there's four winnable games tonight. I've been playing the spread lately and it's been working out for the goal and a half. It seems like what they're doing is they're giving a team a goal and a half. Lately, the games have been fairly close when they're comparable teams, so I'm going to continue in that trade. we got Pittsburgh and Toronto. Toronto's favored by a goal and a half. Pittsburgh has been scuttled. They've been bad. Even with the goal and a half margin, I'm taking the Leafs. Tampa Bay, Washington. Washington's getting a goal and a half. Tampa Bay, they're good. I think Washington's better. I'm taking Washington with the goal and a half margin. I like that. San Jose, Dallas. Dallas is getting a goal and a half. I think Dallas is a vastly superior team to San Jose. I think they're going to win by two, taking Dallas. Minnesota versus Seattle. Minnesota's getting a goal and a half. Excuse me, Seattle's getting a goal and a half, and I think Seattle is a better team. I'm going to take the Seattle Kraken for the first time in my life to win this game. Then I'm going over for all four games, 25 goals. What's that? Six goals a game. One game gets seven. That's a no-brainer, the way they've been scoring goals this year, Tim. And then I'm going to parlay it all. It's going to be an epic win. I'm going to win all five of these with the parlay for six, and you're not going to hear from me for a month and a half because I'm going to be at the Cayman Islands celebrating my win, all because of BetUS. So check it out. BetUS. Get in on the action now. You get 125% deposit bonus. So just do it. It's fun. I love it. Tim, do you love it even though you're losing?
0: I love it. I love it because every day is a new day, and every day is oh. a chance to start a new winning streak. And I, I, yes,
1: <laughs> there's e- eternal optimism. I absolutely love that. All right, a couple more quick hits. Arizona, can we just stick a fork in this team? Are they done finally? They're they're taking this vote now. So the the city council recently convened and they they voted. The city councilman did to see if they would approve a new arena in Tempe. They they turned it down. They said, no, resounding no, we're not doing this. But what they did do is they said, we'll, we'll push it back to our, the Tempe residents. We're going to have a referendum. So in, I think they're doing it in May. All the residents of Tempe will vote on this issue if they want the Arizona Coyotes to build an arena in Tempe. So the people will have a say because there's going to be a lot of tax dollars that will be spent to build this arena. It's not just like the owner of the Arizona Coyotes is going to front it and that's it. No, there' will be hundreds of millions of dollars that will come from public funds to build this arena. so the the people are gonna have their say. I love it. I love it. If it gets voted down, Tim, can we finally say we can move this team? That's it. The charade is over, Gary. Move them out of Arizona. The people don't want them there. The players don't want to be there. let's Let's move on from Arizona as a whole. Can we say that, finally?
0: I would love to say that. I'd say it now. I, I, this this whole area, this arena thing, just it's so far over my head. I don't understand the history, the business, the the city's involvement. It's just one of those things. that is, I don't get it. I, I read the headlines and I, like I don't understand it. So, is the fact that it's being voted on Twitter? It seemed like this was a good positive thing. for the fact that it was going to be voted by the public to whether or not this happens is are you saying it's not a good thing?
1: Well, no. It's a it, it gives them another chance. Right, It gives them one more opportunity rather than the city council just saying no, they gave them another opportunity to prove their case, to say, yeah, we want a rink here. But for the last 15 years, I think it's a resounding, obvious fact that the fans aren't showing up. They they never sell out. They never consistently are in the top 80%. They're always in the bottom 5% of fans per year. It's... This doesn't work. Nobody wants to watch hockey in the desert. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. Yes, they get decent crowds when they play good teams. When Crosby comes to town, Ovechkin comes to town, fan bases will do a little trip. When I played there, we had a big team come in at Crosby. You'd see it packed with Penguins fans. When McDavid would come down, we be packed with Oilers fans. So they do get that bump when there's a superstar that comes down to Arizona because people make a trip of it. But other than that, for the other f- 35 games of the season when you're playing Dallas and you're playing New Jersey and you're playing the Islanders and you're playing Winnipeg. It's empty. It's been like that for 15 years. So it's time to stick a fork in the coyotes. Hopefully the people vote this down and they can move the team and it'll be successful. Move them North where people like watching hockey. I'm sorry. Yes. ASU, the college hockey team is fun. It's a college campus. This is not an NHL town. It's been proven. Gary is just so stubborn. I don't think he ever will. Whatever. All right. Anything else, Tim? Just a
0: happy Veterans Day uh, to all the people that have served. I'm sure we have some listeners that have served in the military. And thank you for your service and thank a veteran in your life.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And uh, we will see you next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. Cheers.